Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the GeForce Podcast, a show for car enthusiasts by car enthusiasts. Last weekend, we got to enjoy a weekend in Monaco, albeit a virtual one for most of us. The Monaco Grand Prix, as we noted, is one of the most highly coveted races in the world, making up one part of the motorsport triple crown. This weekend, we head over to the middle of the US to the city of Indianapolis for another part of the Triple Crown, the Indianapolis 500. Often, these two races occur on the same day, making it a full day of motorsport action. But this year, partially due to the pandemic's impact on the F1 schedule, there is a one-week gap which means we can do a proper deep dive on both races. So Indy, arguably the most famous racetrack in the United States, specifically due to this 500 mile race. It's a venue steeped with history and is also an important part of this year's IndyCar series competition. So we'll dive into the history of the track and venue before going into a preview of the action for this weekend's race. The Indy 500 is a 500 mile race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You see, these racing events are pretty good at making their names pretty clear about what's going to happen and where it's going to happen. This venue is also nicknamed the Brickyard because the track was originally built in 1909 with, as you can probably guess, a track surface made out of brick. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway features both an outer loop track and an infield circuit, with the former being the venue for the Indy 500. This outer oval is actually somewhat rectangular, with four corners and two longer parallel sides, making the total track length 2.5 miles. And with some quick maths, that means the Indy 500 is 200 laps long. Now, two years after the track was completed in 1909, the first Indianapolis 500 was hosted at the end of May 1911, almost exactly 110 years ago from this weekend's race. Which is pretty crazy to think about. This track and this 500 mile race have really stood the test of time. That first race had a field of 40 competitors, and a little fun fact. The winner, Ray Harron, is actually credited with being the creator of the rear view mirror, which he fitted to his car to win the race. So there's proof that racing has pretty much always pushed forward automobile technology and that racing tech does trickle down to the road in some way, shape or form. In this case, it's actually a big safety benefit as well. Since 1911, Drivers have competed in the Indy 500 every year except from 1917 to 1918 and 1942 to 1945. Both times, as you history buffs can guess, due to the world wars. In 2011, the event celebrated its 100th birthday. And five years later, it celebrated its 100th running. Just think about that for a bit. 
a motorsport event that celebrated its 100th birthday a decade ago. It really goes to show just how historically important the Indy 500 really is. It's seen so much and it still exists as a 500 mile race and it is still an impressive challenge. Now the Indy 500 has been through several different series of racing style, adding different types of cars and the cars have changed significantly as well. But it's never been a part of the Formula 1 calendar. That being said, this race has attracted talent from all over the world and from all flavors of motorsport, including many former and current Formula 1 drivers. Part of this appeal is tied to the storied history of the track. So many great racing legends have won at Indy. But another big part of this is the challenge of the track itself, the thrill. Indy cars, as they are called due to the series being named after the Indy 500 as well, well they're open cockpit cars, kind of like Formula 1 cars. But where Formula 1 cars get millions and millions poured into R&D for aerodynamics alone, Indy cars don't have quite as high of an aero package. Nor is the aero as aggressive as on Formula 1 cars. This allows Indy cars to hit some pretty insane speeds on oval tracks. The record fastest lap at Indy is 37.895 seconds set by Ari Luyendijk in 1996. That's an average speed of 237.498 miles per hour around a track that technically has four corners. And although modern Indy cars are a bit slower due to increased safety features, they can still hit average lap speeds of over 230 miles an hour. On the Formula One circuit, there is no track where this is possible, and honestly, I don't even know that the aero on the Formula 1 cars would allow them to hit speeds over 230 miles per hour. Maybe with DRS open and a mile long straight with a bank turn for an entrance, but that doesn't exist anywhere on the Formula 1 calendar. Anyway, I digress. Now over the last 110 years, the Indy 500 has picked up a few unique traditions. Remember the bricks giving the track the nickname the Brickyard? Well they're still there, but they're only on the start finish line. The team of the race winner all go out and kiss the bricks after they celebrate the win on the podium. Oh, and no champagne for the winner. Nope, the tradition is to celebrate with a nice cold bottle of milk because Merca. Drivers are allowed to specify, to some degree, what type of milk, mainly just between regular and chocolate. In the modern era of the Indy 500, the race is spread out over two weekends. The first weekend, which was last weekend, was dedicated for driver qualification. The field for the race is only 33 large, and they start out 3 wide at the start, unlike the traditional 2 wide at other IndyCar events and like in Formula 1. For qualification, each driver gets timed over 4 laps and needs to set the fastest average lap time to get pole. 
for this year's qualifying, well, it was the fastest field in history. Scott Dixon, a former winner and a previously three-time pole sitter at Indy, pulled off another fantastic drive in qualification, edging out rookie Colton Herta by three one-thousandths of a mile per hour to take pole position. Dixon's speed was 231.685 miles per hour, which is actually the fifth fastest speed for qualifying in the history of the Indy 500. He'll have a challenging field this year to compete against, but Dixon seems to be pretty hungry to avenge not winning last year's rain-shortened race. Other big names and previous winners in this year's race include Tony Kanan in 5th, Ryan Hunter Ray in 7th, and Elio Castroneves in 8th. Castroneves is actually chasing an elite club. If he wins this year, he'll have 4 Indy 500 wins, tying the most ever for Indy with an elite club of AJ Foyt, Al Unser, and Rick Mears. Last year's winner, Takuma Soto, is also competing in this year. He'll be starting mid-pack at around 15th. We'll see if he can pull off some magic to take another checkered flag here. As of now, no one in the field is in the direct running for winning the Triple Crown with a win here. But if Fernando Alonso makes his return to IndyCar, this is the only one he's missing right now. The Indianapolis 500 is not only a fantastic race and an event for motorsport, it's genuinely a big event in sports. And this event celebrates that better than most. As motorsports fan, it's always fun to tune in to a Triple Crown race. Mm -hmm.